You're listening to Fight in Progress. With your hosts and stress coaches, founder of Under the Shield, Susan Simmons, and TomTheBomb.com. Fight in Progress grapples with the internal and external struggles in the daily lives of our men and women in law enforcement, the armed forces, and first responders. Tackling the tough topics and supporting those who support us. We hear you, and we're here for you. Welcome back to Under the Shield Presents. Why does he always Fight do that, Joel? Why does he always do this? I, I should just start all over again. No, I think you're good. Go okay. ahead. No, I mean, the, our audience is used to us being pretty stupid do out here. Do I need here. to hit record? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. No need to record, Joel. I, I like giving that deep breath just because you're panicking whether I'm going to get it right or not. No, I'm really not going to panic. I'm kind of looking forward to you messing up sometime again. But anyway. <laughs> so go ahead. You welcomed them. Where, what are they welcome to? <laughs> to Under the Shield presents Fight in Progress. <laughs> Look at you getting it uh, twice. twice, Joel. <laughs> the mat, he must be recovering from mad cow disease. <laughs> he must have gotten some good drugs or yeah. something. <laughs> Do you I know need, your name? Tom. Oh, he's Tom. Yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. And this is Susan here in the Chris Ferrara podcast studio. You know, we don't He's Say gonna he's that. gonna start rattling stuff in my house well, you, again. You think he's the one who's been messing with those cards? Well, I also think he's been messing with some other stuff uh. in my house. He hadn't been turning lights on like he had, but I'm waiting because something big's coming. He's I getting just, Mac to bring you the drip system. <laughs> he has probably possessed my dog. That is a very true story. I hadn't even thought about that. I got to separate those two somehow. Um, but anyway, yes, we need to talk more about the Chris Ferrara Podcast Studio. And we have Joelle here with us again today. Hello, guys. Joelle's our producer, for those of you who might just be listening for the first time, because Tom and I are too old and stupid <laughs> to know exactly how this stuff works. You unplug it. Yeah, I've done that. We don't allow Tom near the board if we don't have to. Yeah, emergencies only. <laughs> Absolutely. Dire emergencies only. <laughs> we have to get Becky to come in here the rest of the time. And I'm happy to announce tomorrow is my last radiation. Yeah. Exactly. Then all I have to do Another is... milestone. Oh, <laughs> they're determined to kill me, I'm just telling you. And then it's just every three weeks till the end of November with chemo. But Oh, it's oh, right, y'all just, right around the corner. <laughs> oh, the fun. Just wait. I start the hormone blockers on Friday. The hot flashes, boys. Just wait. Oh. Y'all think I've been fun? You just hang on. <laughs> We're going to have to turn the AC oh, down. Oh, right before a week of training. I know. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is going to be good. I can't wait. So anyway, so what's new with you guys? We had fun at the comedy fundraiser, which I guess by the time this airs will have been yeah, about a last month. Yeah. That was like a month ago. That was great. <laughs> yeah. It was. We had a good time. Had a great turnout. Yes, we did. Had great um, raffle prizes, and people have been texting all weekend and saying how much they enjoyed it. And then we had Crazy Sonia in the studio and had her at my house all weekend. She's a hoot. I'm just telling you. Y'all need to listen to all her whistleblowing stuff. Yeah, that's crazy there, what's going I, on. I, I didn't realize what all no. she had been on, but she's been on Tucker. She's been on Jesse Waters. She's been on Fox and Friends. She's been all kind of stuff. I've got all the She's links. She's blowing the whistle, that's for sure. Yes, she is. I'm proud of it. And I'm yeah. going to be just like her when I grow up. <laughs> I'm starting small at the whistleblowing. I'm working on it. I'm just harassing people with freedom of information requests. <laughs> so, Tom, tell us who our guest is today. So, our guest today, he's coming to us from Colorado. He's Michael King. He's a military man. Yes. Sir, always good to have our military folks on. Absolutely. What what branch, sir? I was in the army. Well, thank you very much for your service. I have a I gave birth to a marine, and well, yeah, I know, I know, <laughs> I know. Don't even need to say it, but I just will tell you that the moms of marines are crazier than the marines. So. That should prepare you for today's show, sir. Uh, we we like the Marines. We just got done. They were in our hotel, so we all get along. Oh, geez. That could be dangerous. But my son-in-law is Army. He was uh, field artillery. But both are out now. They've served their time, and they're out. And So I assume we're going to talk about some of your m more exciting adventures and things. 
Yeah, so tell us a little bit about your background, how you, when you went into the Army, what your jobs were, and kind of lead us up to where we're at today. And, and he's an Arizonian. You don't meet a whole I lot know. of the, I'm, well, you don't meet a lot of them from Phoenix. True. But I haven't met a lot who were born and raised in Arizona either. No. Usually it's transplants. Yeah, no, it was, I was born in Phoenix, raised in Kingman. My dad was a higher patrolman. Wow. Um, but I joined in, uh, was it May of 93? And then I was a just conventional, normal military. I was a Stinger missile guy. Wait a minute, wait, 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 yeah. wait. Did he just say normal? <laughs> Did you say normal? Oh, normal no. military guy. No, 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 no. We don't put those words together. Y'all are not normal. It doesn't mean it's bad, but... I'll, I'll call you out on that kind of stuff, Michael. Cut that out. <laughs> well, that, that's as normal as I get. Okay. <laughs> Us too. <laughs> it's a relative term. Yes, it is. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I spent whew, what nine years, nine years in the conventional military, and then I'd gone to selection and uh, got picked up, went to school, and became a Green Beret. And nice. Then all my combat time, all that stuff, as a Green Beret. Those, those so are, when I say normal, normal, it's <laughs> yeah, pre Green Beret. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we need a special yeah. classification for the Green Berets and the SEALs and the well, it's not Marine Recons anymore. They've got that. Uh, I don't like the new that name, Marsoc. Marine I think Raiders. That that too, but yeah, um, yeah. So what what possessed the Green Beret? You said that was after nine years. Yeah. Well, I'd chosen back then, you had to have a certain amount of time in and be um, a certain rank. So now you can just join uh, join up to be a Green Beret. And if you make all the training, you will be one. But um, back then, you had to have a certain amount of time in, be a certain pay grade. And what I didn't know when I joined was the job I chose was definitely not good at promoting so I had like max promotion points, just waiting and waiting, waiting for, we used to call it 790 never. Uh, that means you're never getting promoted. Uh, and then it finally dipped down and it was like, oh, thank God. Now, was now that your plan? Originally, you, you knew you wanted to go into the Army to be yeah. a Green Beret? Yeah. Oh, okay. I thought maybe it took them nine years to remove parts of the brain and, and rearrange things to convince you to be a green beret. Enough bumps on the head or I was like, this is a brilliant idea. Because no. see the Marines, what, oh, I no, figured, yeah, I what I figured out with the Marines was they remove everybody's wisdom teeth before they go in or either at Paris Island right. or whatever. And I thought, yeah, there you go. Got to get those teeth out that have any wisdom left because <laughs> they'll you never do it. All that, that word from any vocabulary. Absolutely. Yeah, that's right. Well, thank you for your service and especially for going into something that specialized and uh, frontline basically is how I see the Green Berets. So we, we appreciate you very much. Oh, I well, thank you. I loved it. It was uh, it was phenomenal. Fun times. <laughs> the guys you'll ever work with. So how many deployments did you do? Um, I've got four combat deployments. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. And how long, now, and that was as a Green Beret? Or Green that, Beret. Okay. Yeah. And how long will they leave y'all in place at one time? It all kind of depends on the mission. Um. We still have military requirements, so a lot of times we'll do shorter deployments than the regular military, mm -hmm. um, and that way they can turn around and redeploy us right away. Sure. So if we stay, if we stay somewhere for you know, it's it's like eleven months or a year, I forget what it is. It's like a weird date. Um, then we fall under a certain requirement. We have to be able to stay home. So if they keep us, you know, nine month deployment, <laughs> redeploy us thirty days after you're home, you can turn around and redeploy because you never met that requirement. And uh, I think spouses set that up because that way, if they don't want them home, they can talk to somebody and go, "You need to keep them longer." <laughs> you deploy him somewhere else again. Exactly. <laughs> He's been home for thirty days. <laughs> driving us crazy. Like, I've had enough of this guy. Exactly. <laughs> oh my gosh. So, were you married during this whole time? I was. Yeah. And how? Um, 
Yeah, it was. Yep, definitely married at the time. <laughs> it takes a toll. It does. It does. And oh, was was she prepared for what she no. got herself into? No. And you know, when we were we were together when I was um going through school, I tried to give her several outs. I was like <laughs> <laughs> You don't have to take this ring. <laughs> I am not gonna be here alone. <laughs> like it's just gonna be brutal. Are you sure you wanna do this? Oh yeah. Okay, think about that for a while. Yeah, <laughs> you know. But See, revisited I visited that conversation several times. I was no, I I got it, and you just don't know till you till you're in it. Sure. You yeah, know, I was the opposite. I like, oh I was married to a federal agent in drug enforcement, and when I could start setting my watch by him, I was like, ah, this ain't what I bargained for. <laughs> you got a dope deal somewhere you need to go do for two or three weeks, whatever you got to go do, and but this nine to five Monday through Friday wasn't working. That didn't work well for me. <laughs> yeah, should, no, it didn't work well when I retired. Especially getting into some of those special assignments in the military. Can't tell you, you know, where they are. When the military says jump, mm -hmm. you're leaving, mm -hmm. you go. And there's no it's not like a normal job where you can you No, know, not today say, or no, send yeah, somebody else. Like doing this. Yeah, yeah. Sure. That'd work yeah. out real well. They pretty much own yeah. you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's there's no I think I'll skip this trip and meet you on the next one. Right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, you can try it. I just don't think it would go over very well. <laughs> well, and, yeah, and guys in this profession and our profession, they don't want to miss a trip. Nope. So nope. we're usually chomping at the bit to get another one. Sure. You know, it's just kind of how we're wired. So it's, you know, we're looking to leave. We're looking. It's not that you don't like your family or anything, but <laughs> that's that's what you joined to do. That's what you wanted to do. So, so, so how long total did you do in the army then? Twenty three years. Twenty. Whoa. Wow. Okay. And what made you decide to pull the plug? <laughs> uh, I didn't have a choice. They pulled it for me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You must so, have gotten in uh, when yeah, you're 12 because you don't look old enough to have done 23 oh, years. But um, Come on now. No, you don't no. have to be that nice. No. <laughs> it's that southern uh, hospitality. No. <laughs> yeah. No, it's that I'm real oh, old. No card. Try to be nice. <laughs> uh, it's me um, being real old and everybody looks younger than me, except Tom. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, what was the <laughs> <laughs> really threw him there on that young thing? Well, you said you were forced to leave after 23 years. What forced that? Oh, um, too many injuries. Yeah. So things weren't going right. I was forgetting stuff and, you know, blacking out, having seizures, all that fun stuff. And so they'd sent me up to Walter Reed and they did the, uh, like the longest physical of my life. I think it took like 10 days to do. <laughs> oh, I don't even know if the president gets that good of a physical. Um, I mean, they went above and beyond at Walter Reed. And uh, by the time all was said and done, they were like, you got to go, dude, while you can still stand. <laughs> so, <laughs> But the injuries, had you not been in some place like Walter Reed? And I don't know anything about the injuries and how it started, but was it cumulative things? Um, yeah, there's a lot of it. So your typical person in special operations, um, we hide from the doctors. Sure. Like, I'm good. The, the worst thing that can happen to you as a Green Beret or a, a SEAL team guy or whatever is to not be on the team. Sure. Right. So if you're injured, they're going to want you to recover, to heal up. Now they're going to pull you off a team for a little bit so you can do that. Mm -hmm. but then you just missed out on deployments or what have you. So you just, you hide them. Sure. You do anything you can to, uh, to ignore it. And so, you know, years and years and years of ignoring injuries sooner or later, it's all going to come to the surface. Well, but you worked hard to get in. You know, it isn't like you just raised your hand. And they go, okay, you're a yeah. green beret. <laughs> um, no. You, know, no. you, you kind of had jumped through a few hoops and stuff that, you go through oh, yeah. all that. You want to be there for the so-called fun stuff, truly. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you do. So, you know, you, you hide the injuries for as long as you can. Unless you're just absolutely forced into going to a doctor, you're, you're avoiding them like the plague. 
And uh, then it got to the point where I couldn't ignore it anymore. I mean, it was overt. Every, everybody could see it. You know, when I black out and land on the floor, it's <laughs> why are you on the floor, dude? That's a little like, you know, just felt like a nap. So did you have one you know? too many TBIs? <laughs> oh yeah. 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 I've had a bunch of those. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, forgetting conversations. Um, I was briefing one of the generals and just in the middle of it, just, I don't know, forgot what was going on. <laughs> well, like, wait a minute. You're going to finish Mike? And I'm like, finish what? He's <laughs> like, you're briefing to me. And I'm like, Oh, shit. <laughs> you know, like crap. But you know, that's what I my husband used to do. I thought it was just a man thing. Yeah, whatever. No, I have no idea what you just said. Okay, sure. Well, all right. <laughs> Maybe he had a couple TBIs. Maybe he did. <laughs> Might have banged his head a couple times, got blown up once or twice. Maybe so. So, yeah, it just, you know, it, it became, you couldn't hide it anymore. It was just there. Yeah. So, but how yeah, did you feel? I mean, obviously, people around you recognized it, but did you really realize how serious it was? No. Okay. No. Um, you know, at the time, I thought everything was, I was managing it. Mm-hmm. I knew stuff wasn't right. I just didn't. I was like, nope. If you identify it, address it. Makes it real. You know, makes it real. So we're just going to ignore it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, but looking back, there was no way you could ignore it. <clears throat> and everybody around you. I mean, there was the obvious indicators. You know, the first thing in the morning, hey, dude, why are you so angry? <laughs> you know, stuff like that. <laughs> you just got out of bed. <laughs> God, I got up just now. Like, I don't get any calmer than this. <laughs> you know, like, good Lord, just wait for the rest of the day. Like, the anger will come, son. <laughs> you um, think this is bad? Right. Hang on. Come on around about four. <laughs> yeah. You know, so... I knew stuff was wrong, but I ended up, um, you know, once I started getting help, it just started feeling better. And that's, that's why, you know, really when they said you need to go to Walter Reed, it was, I do something, <laughs> I do, you know, stuff's not right. Yeah. So, yeah. Those are the ones that, those are the guys that were like, you need to leave. <clears throat> like you've, you've played long enough. It's time for you to, time for you to, time for you to go. Were most of the and I don't know a lot about the Green Berets, but what was your job? Um, so I started out as a, a weapons sergeant, okay. and then um, ended up getting promoted on up till I was a team sergeant. So on a on a Green on a team of Green Berets, an ODA, um, which is Operational Detachment Alpha, or an A team. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not just a TV show. I was going to say 18. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, there's there's 12 guys. And so you have the captain, which is the officer. And then the team sergeant is the top NCO of the, the team. So and then you, give, you have all your subordinate guys that fall up under you. And most everybody on your team, were they suffering from the same things? Was it? You were all kind of exposed to the same injuries and type stuff going yeah. on. Oh yeah, I mean, there's, I know more guys that have PTSD and traumatic brain injuries than ones that don't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Jeez, that's crazy. It is crazy. <laughs> that is, you know, yeah. and it, but when we first got in it, I mean, nobody really, you know, I, hell, I'd never even heard of PTSD. Um, not in a military setting. It was combat stress. You Soldiers hard. Like yep. Yep. You know, the, the literally, I remember the, the cure for that was, uh, take somebody's gun away from them, sit them down and let them relax for an hour. There you go. <laughs> and then it's time to get back to work. Dang, why didn't we <laughs> think right, of that here at Under the Shields? Let's go back to work. <laughs> okay. Remind me to add that to the training for the stress coaches next week. Just take their gun for an hour. They'll be good. Yeah. Just Absolutely. Take the gun for an hour. Tell them to chill out, relax. Take, a, good. take yeah. a nap. Yeah, take a nap. <laughs> Absolutely. Deep breathe. Yeah. Do a little yoga. It, yeah, that's but that's what they were training us when I first came in because that's what they were doing for like the Vietnam guys yep. and whatnot. And we'll just sit you down for an hour and then you're cured. You're good. Go back out. Wow. That's crazy. And so, yeah, that's what the Vietnam guys, that was straight training from their days. So how did your family handle all of this? Did you have children? I do. I've got a a son and a daughter, or a daughter and a son because she's older. 
Um, the place, it's another nightmare on them, to be honest with you. It's just, you know, dad's always angry or dad's drinking or dad's flopping around on the ground. <laughs> Seizure, he's in the hospital again. Like, Jeez. you know, what a way to grow up, kiddo. Yeah. You know, so, um, yeah, it, it plays, plays pretty hard on the, on the family. That's. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's a it's a train wreck for them. It's it's not fun. Now, do they um, move the Green Berets around a lot? Do you guys get different assignments, or sorry, station at different areas, or or do they kind of generally keep you in a couple different spots? No. So each one of us we're assigned to um, a group. So whether you're first, third, fifth, seventh, tenth, those are your active duty um, groups. And so, um, you know, each group has its own area of responsibility mm-hmm. within the globe. Okay. So once you're assigned to a group, you belong to that group. Ooh. So I was a 10th group guy. So I was either going to be here in Colorado, uh, Stuttgart, Germany, or you can go home and have to go to the schoolhouse at Bragg and, um, you know, do your SWIC time to where you teach right. the new coming green berets um and then you go right back to group to your group hmm. you can do transfers from one group to the next um but i did all my my group time at 10th group so the family wasn't being moved around and things like that a lot no i mean we did go back and forth to brag mm-hmm. um but i think what it was like six years i think before, you know, from when I <clears throat> got to 10th group till I had to do my uh, SWIC tour at Fort Bragg, something like that. And then after three years, I went back to group to do my team sergeant time. And then after two years of that, I went back to Bragg. So that's as we were starting to notice there's, well, <laughs> can't say we. I was starting to... <laughs> admit there was issues <laughs> he knew there was issues i was finally getting on board with okay i'll go to the doctor you know and this was how so, long ago now how long have you been retired um i retired in 2013 and they or 2016 and they Sorry. started 2016 sending, finished up my team sergeant time in 13 and they started so. sending you because they knew something was wrong at what point <laughs> how long did this take to figure out uh, well, I mean, the, you know, my ex-wife, she, she saw it. I mean, after every rotation, it was noticeably worse and worse and worse. <clears throat> and so, you know, she had, she'd been trying to get me to go to the doctors. And of course I was like, well, no, we're not doing that. And that's a career ender. Mm-hmm. And, uh, finally it kind of came to head on my last deployment in 2013. And, um, I agreed to go. So I started that process, but in order to continue working on me, I knew I couldn't be operational anymore. So that's when we went back to Bragg and I actually took an office job. Okay. And so tell us about the treatment. Tell us what that was like. What what did they do? Oh my Lord. Oh goodness. That was, that was quite the ride. Um, A lot of meds, I bet. Oh, Lordy. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Just, how much time do we have on this podcast? <laughs> We're good. <laughs> Absolutely. Six hours. Um, it started with just me going to a counselor. And, uh, you know, I I don't know why. But I was like, all right, fine. I'll go to the counselor. He's going to tell me I'm fine. The wife is just being crazy or whatever. And that is not how that rolls. <laughs> I thought you had it all figured out, didn't you? Oh, I did. I was like, I'm good. He's just going to tell her to relax, get over it. And, uh, that Stop being crazy, woman. Went. Yeah. Uh-huh. You know, no, no. And so I went from one meeting to then I was doing three, three uh, trips a week to the counselor. And I was like, what the hell? <laughs> I really thought I had this thing licked and that was not it, you know? So it was, it started out with three, three times a week. And that's just, that was just for the PTSD stuff. 
Um, cause they didn't understand anything to do with TBIs even right. then. Yep. Cause I'd taken an office job. So I ended up doing a permanent change of station to Fort Bragg where I could actually work on me. And that's truly when we started getting busy, um, figuring out there was more than one thing wrong. Mm-hmm. So it was, it was a long drawn out, um, brutal process that it's, it's not a fun ride, but if you just stick with it, the benefits are there, <clears throat> but yeah, that's, I don't know how far in depth we want to go on this whole thing. Or, Much as you want there's to. there's plenty of different roads you can run down. <laughs> sure. You go down the PT road, the TBI road, the other injury road. Well, when did you your seizures start happening? Those actually didn't start until, shoot, I think 12, 2012? No. No. No, it was 13. I think it was 13. So it was still on that last time when you were in deployment? Yeah, but we didn't know it was actually seizures because hmm. I didn't, you know, you think of like seizures, you think of like an epileptic seizure. Yeah. Right. They, they weren't that. It was totally different. Um, they, they called it actually um, a psychogenic non-epileptic seizure um, as a result of conversion disorder. Mm-hmm. So, which can come about because you're put in a, a real no kidding dilemma mm-hmm. where either way you look at it, you've only got two options and they are both horrific. That's a true dilemma. Anything else is a problem. If there's three ways out, that's a problem. That's not a dilemma. A dilemma, you've, you've only got two options and they're both horrible. So which one do you choose? And that was kind of what started the, the conversion disorder stuff on it's your, it was my brain's, trying to keep me from having to make a bad really decision. terrible decisions. <laughs> yeah. yeah. A really, a really horrible decision that, <clears throat> that, um, you know, it's like, Oh God, your body just, your mind knows it's like, Ooh, this is not good. Any which way we look at this, let me shut this down. This guy's body down to where that's delayed. We don't have to do that right now. Mm-hmm. It's like a subconscious, crazy, weird thing. Mm-hmm. And your two difficult decisions were in order to get help, I'm going to basically have to give up my career. Was that where you No, that wasn't even, no, it was, it was something totally different to that. Um, But that was, that was a tough decision, but I I wouldn't call that a dilemma. Okay. Um, You know, it's just, it was more of a hard reality. Mm -hmm. So when my, my ex was like, you've got to get help, man, this is just not good. And uh, I told her, I said, well, here's the deal. If I go get help, my career is over. I will never get promoted again. It's done. Mm -hmm. And uh, she's like, no, no, no. I'm sure it's not like that. And I'm like, oh, it is. Like, (laughs) it it definitely is. Oh, yeah. (laughs) That's that's exactly how this is going to roll. And um, so sure enough, yeah, I got help. And I had in the Army, we have uh, what we call non-commissioned officer evaluation reports or NCOERs. And that's. <clears throat> that's your evaluation report. That's how you're, you know, you're promoted based off these right. things. <clears throat> and um, I'd always had top of the line NCOERs, you know, promote this guy immediately above his peers, you know, all that stuff. And um, well, it was about three months after I got, I went to the doc, I got my NCOER. <laughs> And it was promotive slots are available. <laughs> Basically, if there's anything left over, sure, give it to him. Wow. wow. And I was like, I knew it. I'm like, you look at every one of my NCOERs throughout my entire career. <clears throat> and then you look at that last one. Mm-hmm. And it's like, wow, yeah, go get help. Your career's over. That, that's crazy. It is. So mm-hmm. what what helped you in the the healing process? What was the thing that made the biggest difference, do you think? as far as like the PTSD or, um, probably the biggest thing that helped was, uh, just knowing that the family, it's time to put the family first. Mm -hmm. Like my, my whole career, it was, you know, before I got married, it was, I'm doing this. These are my goals. And if you're not on board, you're going to have to leave because I'm not stopping. Sure. 
And she knew that and she was, okay, I'm all in on that. She didn't really know what she was signing up for <laughs> as far as the deployments and the, some of the buffoonery, but, um, she understood it and was like, okay. And so, but once I had obtained all the goals that I truly had started out to do, I was like, okay, well, I need to get help. Like this is the more I went to counseling, the more I realized what was wrong. Mm-hmm. So it's denial, denial, denial. Go talk to that doc. One visits to two visits to three to, huh, what's going on here? Like it just started opening my eyes to, you know, like my health, mm-hmm. me prioritize. And so that's, you know, it made the fight worth it. And it's, that was what was like, ah, uh, we're getting help. And if that means that career's over, I'm, I'm fine with that. Were they doing anything like, I know the Air Force out of San Antonio and some other places around the country oh, were using things like the hyperbaric chamber for the TBI and the PTSD that was coming from the TBI? Were you giving any treatments like that? I didn't do the hyperbaric. Very little was. Um, there's There was a few places that were doing it or knew about it, but it was still fairly new when it comes to that, as far as being used for PTSD and TBI. So at that point it was that, you know, priority of triage, you know, which is the people who are absolutely the worst. Those are the ones that need to get in there first. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so if you can stand upright and, you know, from the outside look like a normal human versus a guy that's really, really bad or the gal that's really, really bad. Um, you know, they needed the priority because we just didn't have a whole lot of centers and a lot of places or time. I mean, it takes a lot of time to do the hyperbaric. Yeah. Yeah. How about EMDR, the eye movement desensitization reprogram? I can't do EMDR um, because of the seizures. Gotcha. Hmm. See, he wouldn't be a candidate for hypnosis either because of that. Yeah. So, yeah. So there's certain treatments I can't do just because of the, uh, the history of seizures, Mm -hmm. even though I haven't had one. Well, I haven't had a seizure since 16, 17, somewhere in there. And are you on anti-seizure meds or the seizures mm-hmm. have just gotten better? I mean, they've just. No, it's, they've gotten better. I've, I've had to basically, it, because it's not an epileptic seizure, there's really nothing they can do for it. Mm-hmm. Um, when it comes to that, no anti-seizure meds. And it's all, it all revolves around mental health. Then you have to move things out of your, out of your life that just aren't good for you. And then, you know, kind of revamp how you do certain things and get a little bit more in touch with um, you, listening to how your body is feeling and what it's trying to tell you. Mm-hmm. You know, so if it's you're in the middle of doing something and you know that it's time for a break, it is time for a break. Sure. <laughs> we're not putting this off. It's not I'll take a break in 10 minutes. It's we're taking a break right now. Hmm. So doing things like that is, is what helps keep him at bay. And there's like little, um, you know, you get little signs that stuff like that might be starting to come on. And so it's like, okay, nope, time to take a break. I'm out. Were you at Walter Reed for the majority of your treatment or did you wind up going back and having to deal with VAs after you retired or what was? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, I've dealt with all of them. So when I left Colorado, (laughs) (laughs) um, yeah, really fortunate lucky me um i didn't think so at the time but yeah yeah definitely lucky me um when i left colorado they had told me i'd never had a tbi um i'd had 13 documented concussions but never had a tbi hmm. and then i got to fort bragg and uh, my doc's like you need to go my um counselor she was like you need to go to the tbi clinic like there's more than just ptsd going on here and she brought up the TBI thing, and I was like, oh, no, man, Fort Carson told me I never had a TBI. And she was like, yeah, they don't know what they're talking about. Yeah. And so um, they uh, sent me to Fort Bragg's TBI clinic, and I did all those evaluations. And they were like, oh, yeah, you've had, you know, well, we know you've had at least 13 TBIs because that's oh, what a concussion is. <laughs> right. You know, is a brain injury. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, well, okay, that makes sense. Um so I did all their protocols and they were like, well, this is about as good as we can get you. And that was pretty much the way it was delivered, you know, a little bit um, in their medical terminology, if you will. Um, that's 
how it basically came across is we've done everything that we, we can do for you. And what did that mean? Um, that means they hit a, they hit I mean, the wall. What had they done? Uh, so we had done various, um, you know, I'd taken cognitive tests. We had done speech therapies and, um, vestibular therapies. Cause I was walking into walls. My gait was all messed up. Okay. Um, they sent me to an eye doctor because things weren't, I was complaining of these vision problems. And I, I mean, I have reading glasses, but that has nothing to do with TBIs. That's right. just mold. Um, <laughs> tread lightly, tread lightly. <laughs> um, but um, like I'd be driving and I would see a sign and then it wasn't clear until um, almost till I passed it. And then I'm like, what the hell did that sign say? Wow. Right. Well, it really wasn't my vision. It was basically a little glitch in the system, if you will. My eyes could see it fine. It was the signal transferring it to my brain to tell me what that sign said. Mm -hmm. There's a little glitch there from getting blown up. They weren't able to diagnose it. They told me I just needed reading glasses. So they're just, they didn't know enough about traumatic brain injuries. Right. They ran me through everything they could that they knew to do. They'd done MRIs. And um, they're like, no, we don't see lesions. We don't see this or that. You know, you're, you're fine. It's, it is what it is. And I'm like, well, can you tell me why I'm having headaches every day and three to four migraines a week? Or I'll have a migraine that lasts two days. Like, is there anything we can do for that? Like, no, we got, we've got nothing on it. And so we tried all these different anti-migraine and all it was, um, it was nothing preventative. It was all, well, when you get one, here, take this pill. Here, take this pill. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, Tom's, your, Tom's your buddy in TBIs over here. but Yeah, so uh, there was a whole lot of take this pill, take that pill. Yeah. Well, this one, now I need this pill to offset this counter effect. Mm -hmm. Now keep that going for five or six different meds for the one pill that they gave you. And pretty quickly it turned into, I had like two and a half pages of uh, prescriptions. Yep. When I went... But I went to the uh, pickup prescriptions. You remember those big the, um, brown grocery bags? Yeah. <laughs> uh oh. Yeah. Well, I would like come out of there with that. Wow. Right? Like I've got to take backpacks and so I've got so many pills and boxes of this and that. You got to take a whole rucksack just to pick up your prescription. Jeez. Oh, yeah. I mean, you might as well just bring a moving van. So it was ridiculous. Um, and after all of that treatment that they had tried and they tried everything in there um, that they knew to do, it was just, we didn't, we were still didn't understand even at, you know, that's around the 2014 timeframe. We still didn't know hardly anything about TBIs. Yeah. And so it's, I know people are like, really? And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> it was still kind of, we're still trying to figure out what in the world all this is which is why I can go from Fort Carson where they're like, you've never had a TBI to Fort Bragg. Mm -hmm. Oh, you've had 13. But after all of that, um, my doctors are like, you're still not fixed. We need to send you to Walter Reed. And I was like, okay. And so they sent me to a, the national intrepid center of excellence. It's up at Bethesda, Maryland. That's their, their number one clinic. Um, each week they intake five people. And this and is just it. for TBIs? Is that all they just do? For TBIs, okay. PTSD. Okay. They run that that whole circle. And um, so they ended up sending me up there, and it was just a world of difference. Like their protocols versus what folks are getting at the military installations was just, it was sickening. Mm -hmm. uh, it was great to be able to do it, but at the same time, it was a little frustra frustrating and sickening because you're like, wow. In order to get help, you actually have to be one of five people a week to come up here wow. or you're not getting this. That's crazy. That like is. everybody else is just out there, you know, just flapping in the wind, just having zero idea as to mm -hmm. what's going on. And the doctor's telling them we've done everything. Did they pull and you off all the meds first and kind of start from scratch? It was, I got off quite a few right away. Mm -hmm. um, the really cool thing about the NICO, and I'm very blessed to have been there. Um, on intake day, we actually sat down with our doctors. They had a whole team of doctors there and it's, we're going to 
flip things. Instead of your day being scheduled around what doctors you can get into, mm -hmm. the doctor's schedule is made around you and your needs. Nice. So you do kind of like a role reversal when it comes to the medical side on that. And we sat down on day one and there was this, we were in this big conference room and there was this huge round, round table. And they were like, all right, what do you want? What do you want out of this uh, experience out of, out of um, coming here to the NICO? And I grabbed that big old grocery, brown grocery bag, and I just dumped out all the meds. <laughs> and I said, I'm sick of all of this crap. Like, I'm done. And um, <clears throat> they were like, oh, good God. And I was like, yep. So doctors just start picking up bottles, and they were like, what the world is this for? <laughs> I'm like, oh, that's just to counter offset this drug that counter offsets this one to this one to this one they've got me taking. Mm -hmm. And they start looking at stuff, well, you don't need that. You don't need that. I mean, we probably threw 15, 20 meds away right then and there. Mm -hmm. I'm like, you don't need any of these. Because they have all your medical records. Before you show up, they have it all. Uh -huh. I've already had a chance to, to rifle through your case, you know. And so... Um, Oh yeah. They were like, Nope, don't need this. Don't need this. We got rid of at least half right there. Wow. Just threw those in the trash and they were like, Nope, we got this. You don't need that. And that was my intro to the NICO. <laughs> did I was like, they oh, add I'm going like, to like this place. <laughs> did they add different drugs to it? Um, we ended up having to do a couple different adjustments. Um, I ended up getting on some meds that I wasn't previously on. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> but that's because they were able to diagnose a real problem versus we're basically guessing our best guess. And so we'll put you on this. Sure. And so, um, yeah, I think now I'm, I'm only on like six, maybe seven okay. actual medications, and which you, is huge when you come down from two and a half pages of meds. Yeah. Do you still go back to Walter Reed for follow-up and things like that? No. Or Okay. No. So you, it's um, supposed to be a month-long program. I ended up being there for five weeks. Um, and by the time you're done, they devise a care plan for you. They write it out. They, they devise this care plan, and they're like, this is exactly what he needs. And you are sent back to your, your home station and uh, but now there is medical documented facts of what is going on, what we can fix, what we can't fix, things of that nature, the unknowns. But getting an unknown from Walter Reed and um, the NICO was a totally different experience than an unknown from another doctor. Sure. Just because their level of expertise. And, and they were really good about telling you, okay, here's the deal. You know, we don't know enough about this to give you a definitive answer on any of it on this particular thing or, and I mean, they broke the body down to, I mean, the molecular structure, they, they went over everything. So it was a, uh, it was quite the amazing experience. And I kind of looked at it as life prior to NICO and life post NICO. Mm -hmm. Cause I was still, you know, my counselor, God bless her. She was still, you know, trying to help me out with a bunch of stuff, but they were able to do things that she just didn't have the ability to, because they could control your entire day at Walter Reed as to where she only got me for, you know, an hour at a time. Sure. Did you have a and problem so, when you went back though, to your station, to whoever was going to manage your treatment, trying to change things that they had done up there? No, no, I got pretty, um, I was pretty fortunate, one, that my uh, the medical command, that um, they really did try to follow everything to the T. Good. But it's also on you, the service member. You have to make them. Mm -hmm. Well, what about this? What about that? And if you're the type of person that's going to come back and just be like, oh, the medical team's got it, and then you just sit there and wait for magic to happen, sure. it's not going to happen. Sure. You, you have to take have to ownership your... and say, okay, hold their feet to the fire. Yeah. Like, yeah. You definitely have you to know, be your own advocate. This is what advocate. they found at the NICO. Yeah. This is what they found at the NICO. So what are we doing? Why don't we have something done yet? And if you're not going to be aggressive on it, then yeah, that's how it gets lost. 
in the, the voids of the medical world there. Um, and you can kind of, you can kind of see how it happens. I mean, you're, heck, how many of these, how many patients does each doctor in the medical world have? Yeah. Like they're going to remember your specific needs, right. desires, you know, sure. they've got way too much stuff going on to remember you. Let's be honest. You're not, you're not that one most important person on the planet that's going to stand out to them. They've got a hundred people like you. So you have to self-advocate. You have to fight for yourself and say, nope, this is what they, they came up with at Walter Reed. We will follow this plan. And is that when the seizures stopped was when you actually got there? They pull you off meds. They do their thing. And is that what you attribute the not having seizures to? No, they the seizures kept going. That's, that's why I ended up staying in Walter Reed a, um, a week longer. Um, they hooked me up to these machines. I had all these probes and whatnot all over my head. Um, I look like a science project <laughs> and, uh, they had me in there for a week, just trying to monitor the seizure action and what's bringing this on, what's not bringing it on, you know, what exactly is the problem. Mm -hmm. And, um, so the, the purpose of the NICO, um, was not to fix or cure you. It's to evaluate you, to introduce you to different modalities that can assist you and to come up with a treatment plan that you can then take back to your base or your post or, you know, whatever, you know, if you're Marine, Army, Air Force, Navy, whatever, you know, whatever installation that you're at, regardless of what you call it, and being able to pass it off to your medical team with a clear definitive plan of action. Um, but it was that treatment plan that they gave to your medical team that made the difference um, with regards yeah. to seizures. Yeah. Well, and it was actually the ex-wife went in cause it was that with that treatment plan, they were like, Hey, you know, they told the ex-wife, you should probably go to your base and look for, um, you know, counseling sessions on how to deal with X, Y, and Z. Well, one of the doctors, she, they linked uh, my ex up with actually happens. That's her main area of study is conversion disorders. Mm -hmm. So she's in like this little group therapy thing. And she's like, well, my husband, blah. And the doctor was like, we need to talk. That's my area of emphasis. Like I don't know about that at this installation than anybody else. Nice. And so that's, that's really what got me in with um, Doc Valentine <clears throat> And then she's also a um, psychologist. I mean, she's got so many degrees. She was awesome. And um, she was the one that helped me start, okay, what is conversion disorder? Because I had no idea. Um, and so she was the one that educated me on it and then got me moving in the right direction and learning how to do biofeedback and meditation and all that stuff. And then recognizing the signs that one's coming on and then what do we do from it there, you know, from that point to, to get rid of it. How about the headaches it? and migraines? Have you managed to control those? I finally, finally have. And I spent years, um, conventional military only does so much. Um, and so when I was at Walter Reed, they were like, well, have you ever tried Botox? And I was like, yeah, I was told I couldn't get on it. They're like, whatever. And they just started punching me with <laughs> Here, Botox. Here, stick those needles <laughs> on these in your forehead. Yeah, exactly. And it was amazing. Yes. It was awesome. And um, they were able to get the ball rolling on things that I'd previously been denied on. Mm -hmm. But once they got the ball rolling, then it was, I could no longer be denied those services because they were proven to be effective by the time I got back. Sure. And so, you know, stellic ganglion nerve block, um, the Botox, all that stuff. So they got me on all that. And then Fort Bragg had to maintain it and keep up with it. And they, they told me, Dr. Joseph Bleiberg, the leading neurologist and um, the main, main neurologist when it comes to migraines and um, TBIs, He's like the top, he, or at the time he was the top guy at DOD, mm -hmm. like the top doctor. 
and he had taught me so much about all that stuff. And, um, but he told me, he was like, for as much as we know about the brain, there's probably twice as much as we don't know. That's right. And that was my, one of my unknowns. He was like, I don't know if you'll ever get rid of your headaches. You could wake up tomorrow, never have another one. You could have them the rest of your life. We don't know. Mm-hmm. That's part of the unknown world. Sure. And so sure enough, I kept on Botox for quite a few years. And then I don't know, I think it was like 2021, maybe. I just haven't had them. I've had like maybe one migraine since 2021. Wow. I'm not on the Botox anymore. It just it was like he said, he's like, it could or could not happen. And I'll get headaches, mm-hmm. but I still get my headaches, but I don't have migraines like I used to. And I'm not on anything, um, anti, any anti-migration uh, or migration, migraine medication um i still have my my abortives like my imitrex auto injectors for if you're getting a bad headache i can just stab myself in the leg with an auto injector <laughs> um, Fun time, yeah. yeah but it i mean it's highly effective sure but it's now only a preventative or i mean an abortive sorry an abortive not a preventative so well, that's great that you don't you're not experiencing those migraines anymore because that those are the oh. worst it still shuts Tom <clears throat> down periodically. Have you done Botox, Tom? I have not done Botox You need yet. to. I have another friend that had migraines that they couldn't figure out what was causing hers. And she um, is actually, uh, her father-in-law is a famous football player. Um, he was someone who got her into a doctor that they did the Botox. And it really, it made a huge difference. Yeah, I'm on. Oh, it's huge. I take four different medications Two of them preventative and two when I have them. And like last yeah. month, I, I had eight over last month. Tom pretended just... he was a lawn dart coming <laughs> off of a motorcycle. He thought that would be fun. He I, learned that wasn't fun. And I fun. stuck the landing, all yes, right. Yes, he did. Stuck it quite nicely. Helmet <laughs> broke. Yeah, helmet broke. You know, the the the... the, the Funny, sad part of it, he didn't even remember the accident, so his dumb butt got back on the motorcycle. Okay. For 20 more years. Yes, yeah. He ain't the brightest bulb, but anyway. Uh, but you really, well, you spent, what, 22 years as a motorcycle officer? Uh, 23 total years on a motorcycle, yeah. 23 on, as a motorcycle. Yeah. I remembered it was in the 20s. Yeah. yeah. That says a lot, doesn't it? Crazy, huh? Killer boots, man. That's awesome. Yeah. Dangerous but, as don't get out, but yeah. Well, he doesn't remember, so it really wasn't, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if, if you that's don't right. remember, it doesn't count. They say, they say I had a bad wreck. I don't know if that's really true. <laughs> <laughs> but you really should try the Botox. I said I was there, but I don't. Yes, that's exactly right. right. I, I would look into the Botox. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was, it was amazing because... You just get a little tension in your head and you know that that's a migraine, but you don't have the pain associated with mm-hmm. it. Wow. So like I would know there was a migraine that's trying to happen, but it's just a little extra tension in my head. It didn't hurt. It wasn't, Oh God, the air hurts my head. My pillow is as hard as a brick. Yeah. Um, you know, the light sensitivity started going away, all that stuff. How often did you do the Botox? Was it a regular or you just did it? When every were, 10 weeks every 10 weeks okay mm-hmm. hmm. cool yeah mm-hmm. that's something he really does you do i should have asked you about that a long time ago yeah. but that's something you definitely and insurance will cover it if you can get the doctor to to say that that's what this is for now if you want to get a little <laughs> yeah, extra botox yeah. and pass it my way i'll just use it but um um yeah because there's certain requirements like you have to have a certain amount of migraines a week or month um i don't remember the requirements and i Every insurance may be different. Yeah. Um, but eight a month, yeah. that's averaging two a week. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's crazy. You know, so, so, yeah, I think it was if you averaged, you know, like two a week. I think that, yeah. For I th- I TRICARE. Know. I was like, two a week? Shit, I'd be happy to get only two a week. What are you guys talking <laughs> yeah. about? Yeah, yeah right? if I'm not on and, any um, medication, it's double that. It's crazy, yeah. Yeah. So even with all your other preventatives... Um, Because really, they can only look at the uh, preventatives, the abortives that you have. They can't really use that in the equation. Right. Um, Because it's it's trying different preventative medications to keep you from getting the the migraines. But if they're breaking through everything you've tried and you're still getting that, 
while on them. Yeah. That's really kind of the, the thing that clenches. See, I was happy when it went camera. down to only eight a month. <laughs> I oh, was yeah. like, woohoo. <laughs> <laughs> oh, isn't it amazing? Yeah. Like, and people are like, wait, you get this many a month? And you're like, what are you talking about? That's great. Yeah. And they're like, how can you be so happy? Like, double that. <laughs> yeah, you exactly. You don't know that. what it was like before. Yeah, yeah like this is victory to me. So after uh, you after you came out of Walter Reed, how long did you stay in before you finally retired? Uh, I think they kept me on for about another year and a half. Okay. They, uh, I came back and I was tons of medical appointments and um, Doc Long, our our um, regimental surgeon. He was like, I've, I'd known Doc on since he was like a young captain. And so, you know, then flash forward to me coming back from Walter Reed. He's a full bird colonel. He's in charge of all the surgeons throughout the whole Special Forces Regiment. I mean, so I'd known him for a long time. He's like, we got you. We'll take care of you. And so I immediately went into, um, I fought it initially, but I they, they talked me into going to the um, warrior transition battalion there at uh, Fort Bragg, which meant leaving the special forces mm-hmm. and hanging out in conventional military land, which after you spent that, that long and soft, like mm-hmm. you're like, what? No, I don't get along in this world. Like, <laughs> no, this is a bad idea, guys. <laughs> um but they were actually super, super fantastic. I didn't have to, you know, they knew I didn't like to play the regular army games. I'm not going to do formations. I'm right. not doing all that stuff you have normal soldiers do. I'm not doing it. It's just, that's not me. You want me to call you? I'll call you, but I'm not playing certain games. And um, they didn't, you know, they didn't even try to make me. So and what so have you done since you got out? What, what is kind of kept you busy and out of trouble <laughs> or hasn't uh, <laughs> uh so when i got out the va sent me to taxidermy school so i opened up my own taxidermy shop okay and uh that was fun because i i wasn't I, you know i still didn't like to be around people i don't you know oh, no like we've said, never heard that before <laughs> Yeah, you know, and so... Dead animals is fine. Absolutely. They don't <laughs> yeah. talk back. They yeah. don't bother you. They don't expect anything. Yeah. It was it was fantastic, you know. I could just... Um, I'd realized, because my original plan, being out the window, I was like, I need to do something totally opposite from the military and just basically for my own mental health and to get back to the family and try and work on me. That was a big thing. Mm-hmm. I needed to work on me. And, um, so I was like, Oh, well, if I'm doing taxidermy, I mean, it's just me and hanging out in the shop, doing my thing with my dogs. Mm-hmm. Like I, I can take off and go to a doctor's appointment. Cause I was having a boatload of those still. So what job is going to hire you? And, you know, five, five times a week, you're going to different doctors. Yeah. You know, like, good gosh, you spend more time with the doctors. I'm working for us. It would be an, an issue for them. And so, um, yeah, I did that for a number of years and then had to shut that, or I shut it down. Um, kind of had to, cause my neck was messed up and looking down for so many hours out of the day was making it worse. And now I just coach archery. <laughs> Good for you. Well, you're in the yeah. right state for all of this. That's for sure. <laughs> so, you know, you, you, uh, picked a good thing that's probably no shortage uh, of business up there, I wouldn't think. And um, it got out, it got out of control. It was <laughs> I was working seven days a week, twelve to sixteen hours a day. Uh huh. Like, and your point is what? <laughs> was God, this is not retirement. <laughs> so, are you shooting competitively? I am. Yeah. So I just got back from the Warrior Games. That's right. So Team SoCom, <clears throat> we we cleaned house this year. We we took quite a few medals. Where were the where were the Warrior Games? They were on uh, 
Naval Air Station, North Island in Coronado. Okay. Yeah. In San Diego. Oh, that's a rough spot. Yeah. <laughs> Bless your heart. God, I was, I, now I feel bad for you. Jeez. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> no, if you see how spoiled rotten our, our medical staff and care team take care of us, you'd be like, no, you guys are spoiled. We are. No, you deserve it. Yeah, exactly. You definitely you, do. It's they're the only reason we can compete. I mean, they keep you going. You get you get beat up in the games, and sure. uh, yeah, you know, needling, <laughs> massage therapy. <laughs> I mean, yeah, what do you need? And uh, they're just there. Like I was watching games and getting massage therapy and needled nice. while watching the games, just so I wouldn't have to leave. <laughs> nice, nice. I mean, yeah, our medical staff takes really good care of us, as they should. So, how did you personally do? During the games, oh, now um, here I we got go. A gold and a silver, gold nice. and a silver. There you go. Awesome. Yeah, congratulations. Yes. So I was pretty happy with that, and uh, then learned I got to work harder on the stuff I didn't meddle in. <laughs> Here's so, a goal. Everybody needs a goal. Yeah. Oh yeah. Cool. Oh yeah. Well, do it's, you... it's very competitive, but it's very it's you know we'll. You know, everyone smack talks or whatever, but it's, <laughs> I'm sure it's fun. It's fun to get with, you know, the different services and you're competing with each other and, you know, making fun of the Marines and like <laughs> giving them some crayons or whatever. <laughs> I knew the crayon eating was coming. I know. I oh know. yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. And they stayed in the hotel with us and they're sure. great, great folks. Yeah. And, you know, we all got along and, sure. you know, drink beer at nighttime and then harass each other all day. <laughs> do you but ever get awesome back? Do, do you ever get back to Arizona at all? Not very often. Um, I do here and there. Mm-hmm. I try and get down there. Well, because my dad, my dad's down there, and my sister's down there. She's actually in Mesa, and yeah. he still lives in Canton. Our office and the podcast studio is actually here in Mesa. And oh, okay, uh, yeah, yeah. So, you know, as we start to wrap this up, you know, we, we can't thank you enough first for your service, obviously, and your sacrifice, because we understand that as military families. Um, but we appreciate you taking the time, too, to educate people about what goes on. And uh, I, I think a lot of people don't have a clear understanding of it. Right. I think they think our veterans get different treatment than what they truly get. And I didn't really realize that till my son. Mm-hmm. And it depends oh, on which can, VA and, you know, that kind of thing. It makes a huge difference. I mean, you could probably, we could probably do five podcasts just on this expanding on today. Sure. Like the VA itself is a whole another thing and how to navigate that and how right. to, yep. you know, what you need to do, some of the, some of the, uh, the walls you're potentially going to hit. And, a lot of hoops know, to jump through to get things. That oh, they, tons of it. The veterans deserve, right. and it's really sad. But, um, you know, if you get over to Phoenix, let us know you're coming. We'd love to yeah. get together, go to lunch, maybe do a podcast in studio. Uh, okay. It's always- well, I'd have to bring Joanna with me, too. Yeah. yeah you bring guys interviewed Joanna. Joanna Walters. Oh, okay. Absolutely. Yeah. You bet. <laughs> uh, so if I'm down there, Joanna will be there. Okay. So. Yeah. Nice to meet you both in person. That's yes. for sure. Yeah. Oh, Yeah. So, Tom, you want to you want to close us out here as we wrap this up? Sure. Um, so, again, I'd like to thank all of our listeners for checking back in with us today. Um, and remember, if you're struggling, you're you're living through some dark times, whether it's job, family, all the above, um, you have someone that you can contact, and that's under the shield. Yes. Uh, you can reach us twenty four seven on our uh, eight hundred number. It's eight five five. 889-2348. we got it right. <laughs> and you can reach us 24-7. Uh, if you hit extension one, just remember to hold on the line. It's going to keep ringing, and it'll cycle through different stress coaches until you get the first available one. So just hold on the line. If you're talking to one of us and we get disconnected, we don't have your phone number. The number that you call, the 855 number, that's what shows up on our phone. So you will have to call us back. Uh, you can re- uh, reach Susan by hitting extension two, uh, extension three for David Cohen in Alabama, or extension four will get me. You can also reach me on my cell phone at 480-861-6574. Susan? And my cell is 334-324-3570. And I really prefer you do that. Reach me on my cell versus 
that extension too. Sometimes I don't get to voicemail till late at night. You can always reach me via text during the day. Call me at night. Um, but we uh, are big on our whole commitment of anonymity. We're not going to ask you who you are, who you work for, what branch of the military. Uh, we aren't going to ask for any identifying information. Uh, that is really, really important. This goes beyond confidentiality. Confidentiality is a legal term. People don't understand this, where there are exceptions to breaching confidentiality. Where there's anonymity, we couldn't breach it if we wanted to because we don't know who the hell you are. So, um, you know, and don't even know where you are because now with cell phones, yeah, you, you know, I mean, here I am in Arizona with a Montgomery area code. So it doesn't mean anything. Yep. And families, please reach out to us also. You are part of this lifestyle. You're impacted by all of these things. Uh, been there, done it. Joel grew up with it. So we, we understand. So please don't think that you are excluded here because you're not. You're, you're a huge piece of this big puzzle that we work with. So what else you got, Mr. Tom? Uh, I think that's pretty much well, all we have right now. We have some classes coming up we do, uh, this another, summer that we're going to start teaching again. Yeah, yes, and another stress coach certification yeah. is going on next week. And um, you know, we just appreciate, again, Michael, we appreciate you taking the time to come on here with us. And we want to thank everybody in the first responder world and in the military world uh, for your sacrifices, and especially the families. I think that's probably one of the groups that's neglected the yeah. most in all of this. And, you know, I, I have to throw this in here because this is something else that has come up just in the last week again and again and again. But um, there's so many organizations out there, and they're all great and wonderful, but they are dealing and helping after something happens. We're on the front end of this thing. Right. Uh, I, I get really frustrated with the military and first responders who go, Susan, why do I have to die or be injured before somebody wants to do anything for me and my family? That's what we do. We're on the preventative, proactive side. We can be in it with you, and we can deal with things afterwards also. But our big push is to help families and first responders and our veterans with things to be proactive, keep you out of the ditch. So please, please reach out to us. And again, know that we are completely anonymous. Heck, I tell people, give me your chief's name. Give me your sheriff's name. Give me Joe Biden's name. I don't know, whatever, because <laughs> uh, it, it really doesn't matter. Uh, but we do. We appreciate you. We love you guys out there. And uh, we just want to say thank you and God bless you. God bless your families in this great nation that we live in. Come back and see us next week.